How's everybody doing? So thankful that you're back with us again uh, for another Black and White Christianity podcast. Second one on the books, huh? So <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, and I know I'm just happy to be here with Tyreek. So how you doing over there, brother? Blessed, man. Thank I'm so thankful to be here again. Like you said, number two. Yes. Let's get this thing going, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um do um, starting off is have prayer. The first uh, episode was more of a overview. We didn't really get into some of the things we're going to do every time in prayer. We want to make prayer a priority. So I'm going to lead us off in prayer. And then we're just going to talk about some things that we brought very specifically today outside of what we talked about last time. So let's go to the Almighty in prayer. <clears throat> Sovereign Lord, Almighty God, I'm just so thankful for today. Uh, amidst all the struggles and trials and tribulations that people deal with day in and day out, Lord, we are thankful that you are unchanging. And we put our hope and our faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you would be here with us tonight, that our conversations would be seasoned with salt. And I pray for all the listeners that would be listening, that you would be with them and that they would find comfort, peace and, and clarity uh, through this podcast and that it would ultimately glorify your name. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this, we wanted to more focus up on the church and maybe some things that we're seeing happening. And we wanted to bring some scripture to kind of just talk about it. So Tariq has a topic that he wanted to bring. I got a topic that I wanted to bring. I've already talked enough. I'm going to shoot it over to him. What did you want to talk about tonight? Today, uh, first, this Want to tell the viewers it's an absolute pleasure to be before. Um, it's uh, it's always a good time, you know, when we're when we're speaking about the Lord and we're going back and forth with each other. And you know, uh, iron sharpens iron. And I love and I love to be here with this brother Walter Mitchell. This is my guy. So you know, uh, this makes this is just a, a joy to um, be doing. So uh, my topic that I'll be bringing um, to you all today is uh, things that we see in the church that are necessarily biblical and we uh as we go through um these scriptures that i have i've prepared about four scriptures for you i'm just going to lay out the different things that uh, i myself have seen in church and i don't know if you want to like touch on those things if you do just be like hey man i got something to say you know hey, let me know i don't want to bulldoze this thing but i do want to move in accordance with what what i have here so uh the, the first piece of scripture that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to tell you all so you can go there, hope, hopefully you have your Bibles, is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 3 through 5. And the overarching theme of this is uh, false teachers and the love of money. So let me go ahead and get there myself. You said 1 Timothy what? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses mm -hmm. 3 through 5. Gotcha. First Timothy chapter six, verses three to three through five. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the of our Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk 
evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. My views in the church, I see all of these things. And, and, and it doesn't matter what church I've been in because literally every single time I see these same exact uh, points that the Bible is uh, uh pointing out here that envy there's always envy somebody somebody is getting praise for whatever they're doing uh, a part of the church whatever position that they're holding somebody in there feels they can do a better job or whatever the case may be there's always some type of envy of the attention that someone is getting the position that someone has uh, the I, I guess if you would like to call it the influence that they carry over the congregation, there's an envying of that instead of a focus on going to the Lord and seeing where you fit into the Lord's plan as opposed to you trying to interject yourself into where you think that you should be in the Lord's plan. I don't know. Walter, would you happen to want to speak on that? I did, I did. I actually wanted to ask you a question. Would you say then to your point that there is a feeling of some people feeling slighted of maybe some accolades because they were doing it for that reason instead of just servant mindedness in the beginning of it all? They, they did something and they see someone else. Yeah. Hey, look, we're so happy, brother, you know, brother, sister, whatever did this thing. And in their mind, immediately they feel, hey, look, I mean, I'm I've given more money, done more stuff. You know, it's my kind of up, up top praise there. Absolutely. Right here in the scripture, there's um, people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and think godliness is a means of financial gain. And by financial gain, I mean, like, that's favorable gain. Do you get what I'm saying? Whether that's financially, whether that's uh, uh, having a position or being put over something, it, it, it's, uh, it's always... It's always someone that is looking to elevate their position in the church, but through the sight of people's eyes, instead of being where God wants them to be and looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, where would you have me to be? Mm. If we if we were all, I don't want to jump ahead of that, but like if we were all to submit ourselves to Christ and his will and be a doulas, which we learned in Revelation study, a doulas is just a servant. Somebody get down there and you're rowing the boat. They tell you, hey, row that boat. You're not trying to steer the boat. You don't have the vision of where to go. You're just being the hands and feet. And that's what we are called to do. And a servant role just seems to be beneath people, but that's what we have been called to be as believers in Christ, be servants, be used. Uh, that that's just something that just um, is an overarching thing that I'm seeing. So go ahead. So is it, so for me, just to respond to this, it seems to have to come down to, do you have an agenda? You know, we, we kind of, we kind you kind of pointed out this last time that it's the few that do the majority of the work and mm -hmm. that has a tendency to really wear people out. Um, and so the work that gets done in the church you have the people that just come in and want to be served, and you have the few that want to serve. And so I think there is the divide in that particular scenario where the majority just wants to have things laid out for them because that's all they came for. No one came to work 
Um, you know, we just come the one time and that's it. We don't do, we don't put in any work. Let's say for instance, you got somebody that teaches Sunday school and this particular person is getting older and can no longer do it. It seems as though there's fewer and fewer people that want to step into that role and put in the work that would take to set up a Sunday school lesson. It takes you all week long. Oh, absolutely. And like, and like you said many times before in our Bible study, like, it's more so about getting in the word, like taking these kind of positions may hold you to a higher level of accountability and lessen the accountability. And I feel that a lot of people want to be the face, but they don't want to do the work. And that mm-hmm. is something that is um, just an overarching theme inside the church as it is. Everybody wants to be recognized, seen, but nobody wants to do the work. It's like, hey, where's that plan? all right, good, I'm going to give a few things in here and I'm going to knock it home. Might give it a couple of basketball references, a little bit of stats from last week or something like that. Like there's always something that they want to spice it up and get in front of people and and show off instead of being there to be servant-minded and to be used by the almighty. Another thing that I'm uh, picking up in this scripture is the malicious talk that's everywhere in the church. People Mm. help but gossip and talk about their brothers and sisters in the Lord to the right. Oh, no, I, I fully agree. Um, it, it's rampant. And and I, it has to be talked about. You know, I don't want you guys to come and listen to us and be like, man, all these dudes do is just cry about the church. We're not crying about the church. We're crying for the church. We're upset at the condition that the church is in currently. Um, that's why at this point in time, I'm leading a house church. I'm not actually a part of a corporate setting. Um, I'm grieved by the church. And so I don't, I don't want you to come here and be like, man, I used to listen to him, but all I do is complain. Look, all we're doing is bringing scripture and then pointing to the fact of what it is, the reality. We're just showing the reality of it all. We're whistleblowers. You yeah, that's it. This, is not, this is not a complaining or a great session. We want you to know what it looks like. You can go to a myriad of different churches and there's different people, different ways they praise, different uh, denominations, and they will have it wrong. They're like, it doesn't matter. You can't, you can't say, oh, I'm going to go Baptist and I'm going to be good there. There's, there's, there's things going on there. I'm going to go Pentecostal and I'm going to be good there. There's things going on there, non-denominational. There's things going on there. You have to know what the Bible says. You have to know what to be looking for when you get there. And what we are doing is bringing it to your attention. We're, we're, we are whistleblowers in that fact that we are bringing it to your attention so that if you don't run across what we are talking about here in your reading or you're not finding this stuff in a timely manner before you walk through the thresholds of the door, we want to let you know what's some things to be looking for? What's some things right. to be kind of so you don't sit through a, a sermon or you sit through a service and you be a party to what's going on there. And, and no one has it correct all the way. There's nobody no. that is perfect out here. And we're not saying, hey, look, we're just telling you to be aware. We're going to bring you the word, tell you what it says. And we want you to be the judges of the church you're in to be discerning and i don't mean the word judges as to condemn but just to be discerning be be understanding of what the word says and what's actually going on um continue and that's why we bring the scripture this is why that's it 
We want you to fact check us. We don't want you to feel like we're attacking the church. We want you to feel like we are proclaiming what the word says. Therefore, you can go in there for yourself, read for yourself and see if we are making something up. If the church isn't doing what it's supposed to do, you you decide. You decide what's going on. But let, let scripture be scripture. That's something that is said here. A lot. Let scripture be scripture. Read. So another thing is uh, evil suspicions. That's something else that's here. There is a lack of trust in the body of believers that is substantial. It's a substantial lack of trust. As believers, we are called to love our brother and sister more than we love ourselves. We are called to put them above us when we like one hand washes the other for the body as a collective for Jesus Christ, for, for God, you know, and, uh, and that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a whole lot of crab mentality. Somebody's starting to get to where they need to go and people are grabbing them, bringing them on back down. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're one of us. You can't be elevating. You know, we, we're not, we're not here to learn wrong. You're just a pug. Sit down. You know, the pastor's doing what the pastor's doing and you need to just sit there with your mouth open and let him spit the food into your mouth. No, that's not what we want to do here. We want to definitely bring the word to you, let you read it for yourself, find an inscription, and you decide. You decide what's going on. Evil suspicion, wondering if people are talking about you behind your back. If, if you know, this person is doing something with that person because they had a friendly conversation and you happen to overhear it or you see them smiling at each other. What is that smile about? You're trying to pick up these little tiny things. And those are also the things that start the fire for gossip and slander and all of those different things that the Bible tells us to stay away from. Clear, clear as day, right in the scripture. Walter. You know, I, as you read the scriptures here, it says, Quarrels about words, the result of envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant friction between people. I think a lot of our problems would be negated if we would just shut up, just keep our mouths closed about certain things, mind our own business. I, I think that's a part of the church that has a tendency to get out of control. You know, we like to point out the big ones, the homosexuality, the adultery, the, the, uh, somebody is uh, doing a brother or sister wrong financially. Those are big ones. We want to point them out. And some churches don't even point the big ones out. We just come one, come all and stay that way. But mm. these are minor things that need to be pointed out as well. Hey, look, the gossip needs to go by the wayside. All the malicious talk about, oh, man, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? I can't believe you let her come up in here looking like that. This and that. Don't, don't just talk amongst yourself. If there's an issue that needs to be addressed as a collective, Scripture gives us guidance of how that said issue is to be handled. So don't just humming, 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 humming of this, humming, 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 humming of that. Look at the script. Okay, me and another brother need to go and talk to that person gently, kindly, firmly, and we'll handle it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to get and I'm going to get into that like a little bit later on. I'm going to also touch into what you just said there. That's a that's a reference to Matthew uh, 18, 15 through 17. We're going to go there. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about here um, is First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, 16 through 19.
19. All right. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. In the following directives, I have I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be a difference among you to show which of you have God's approval. Right there is a clear call to a division in the church. You have this big body of believers. Everyone said, I'm a follower of Christ, this and that. And then by their words, by their actions, and by circumstances happening in a church that calls for a hard yes or no, that separation, yes or no, is where you start to find out who's reading, who's in scripture, who's who's solid in the, in the faith, and who is wishy-washy, who has their feelings and different things like that mixed into it. This is where you find the sheep and the goats through these different kind of things. Adversity is going to come. The Bible says that he came to bring a sword. It's not, it's not peace here. We, we, we have to find out who's with us and who's against us, and this is a perfect way to do it just by what the scripture says what the scripture say that's what we're going to do and some people can't do that because scripture is hard it's not always a soft pill to swallow sometimes that thing has teeth and you have to and you have to abide let me ask a question and and, and i'll just ask via the scripture you brought up what would you say in definition would be somebody that has god's approval on their life what would that look like so people would know someone who has god's approval on their life hmm that's a great question someone who has god's approval on their life they're going to be they're they're going to be more you you you'll see this they're going to be quiet more times than not what what's going to happen here is when someone has god's approval on their life they do, they do speak up. Don't get it twisted. They're going to be courageous and they're going to say what they have to say when they have to say it and boldly. But for the most part, when you are a believer and you are in your word and you have a solid biblical foundation, you listen more than you speak. You want to hear everything that's going on and get it down to what the actual root is before you even open your mouth. But when you do open your mouth, it's not going to be in bitterness. It's not going to be in anger. It's not going to be in spite. It's not going to be in jealousy or anything like that. It will be in love and it will be in truth. So you would say that it may be in essence, somebody that has God's approval on their life would come with the cultivation of the fruits of the spirit. That person is clearly going to be cultivating the things of the spirit. And another divide that I see that you kind of brought up being maybe a, I'm going to use the word good division would be the division, what we talked about earlier, about the people that are willing to work and the people that are not willing to work. I think there's a level of severity that is not felt in the majority of church goers. I'm gonna put air quotes on that, church goers, that the fear of God or the severity or heaviness of scripture does not lay upon them. But then there are the few that you can see are burdened. 
Uh, they are they are vexed by things they see. It matters to them, and that is another way that I would state God's approval upon somebody that they their heart is broke for what God's heart is broken for. Absolutely, like I was saying, you know, if you if that's if the God's calling is on your life, the way that you are going to approach things is going to be from a completely selfless place. Like I came to you before and was talking about uh, the false teachers and the love of money. There is no gain tangibly for you when you do what you are supposed to be doing unto the Lord. That is a spiritual gain that the Lord is going to be uh, the recipient of. It says uh, uh, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And you will see that. You will see when when things need to get done, people don't ask questions. They get in there. They ask for they ask for forgiveness. <laughs> I, w- I, w- <laughs> I want to kind of step back to your previous scripture and ask a question. The end of that scripture says, and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Don't want to gloss that because that's a big one. So let me ask this question. Um, Would you say that when money is involved, it's always a clear cut that it is a financial gain via godliness? Now, I'm going to ask these hard questions because this podcast is going to talk about hard stuff. But or is it sometimes all the time or sometimes? What would you say? To, to me is not a hard question at all. Like you, just, you just have to see where the money is going. Like, to, and a lot of people, and like, <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to use that reference, but I, I like it's 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 follow the money. Like, so if 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 there is, and I don't mean chase or anything like that. I mean look and see where the money is going. When I say follow the money, when money when the funds come into the church and different things like that. And I, you know, I don't want to get into that deep because that's kind of deep, but uh, no, no, no. We'll lightly the, dig. It's okay. We can go lightly there. <laughs> the money, the money that comes into the church, it should not be hidden. The, it should be open. Anybody that, that has a question or a concern about where the funds they provided to the church is going should be able to access all of that. When, when things are secretive, when it's like, oh, no, 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 trust your leadership or like, you know, when things are like that, no, now, now we're going into a place that, does, that is not godly. The, the Lord tells us to live quiet, but open lives. You get what I'm saying? Like we are supposed to be exposed. People are supposed to be able to ask questions. We are supposed to be transparent. There shouldn't be any area where we're like, no, 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 you've crossed the line now. Like, that's no, no, that's not okay. Go ahead. And transparency in the church is probably another podcast in itself. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I didn't want to, I'm, I'm thankful that you kind of spoke into that. I didn't want to just gloss over that. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> that was just- a just want to see where it's going you know at the end of the day like we're, we're investing in in believers we're investing in our brothers and sisters we are we are coming in and we're seeing where the need is where we can serve and the the financial things that are brought into the church are supposed to further the kingdom not make the sanctuary look good not do these physical things that people are trying to like if there's a need Let's fill the need. But if it just don't look new, new, 
that's all right too. That's, you know what I mean? Okay. We don't, we don't need to, everything don't need to be up to date if it's functional. I were to not to belay this because we've got other scripture we want to look at, but I really don't ever see churches. And I'm just speaking from my view because I don't see all the churches. I really wished I, I saw where a church would say who in here is in financial trouble. Let's talk about it because we have the means to help you financially. That's the church's attractiveness to not to say, oh, yeah, there's my my ticket out of, you know, all of my bad choices. And then I'll just continue to make these bad choices and the church will just be bailing me out. That's not the case at all. But the church should be looking after its own first. But we don't ever even do that. We're looking after the, the needs of maybe like three or four people in some churches. So it's wolves feeding off sheep. So. We can we can move back to the scripture from before. I just wanted to touch on that briefly. Uh, I mean, like that that was it. Like you know, that was it for that scripture. As far as that, it's just that you know you you want to be able. We we've had this conversation more than a few times, and and uh, the the one thing that I've noticed over and abundantly, not coming at anybody, just something that I've understand is that people cannot have. A lot, a lot of believers cannot sit down and have a scripturally based conversation for an extended period of time. They don't find joy in that. They don't find the value in that. Like if, if you having a conversation with them and every now and again, you're constantly bringing up something, you know, in love and be like, hey, man, I'm noticing this. And I just want to bring it to, you know, scripture says this, and now you can't get a hold of this person. Now there's no kind then there's no back and forth. They won't return your phone calls, different things like that. That that is a clear indication that maybe you're messing with someone that is not necessarily up to snuff scripture wise, or they're not there and they need help, but they don't want help. You have to watch these different kinds of things, you know? And I I want to clarify the point you made. We don't feel that if you're not where we are, you ain't in. So right. I want to clarify that. What, what we're meaning is there's no desire to further maturity. It's, it has that feeling of, I did this one thing. I'm good. I, I just want to live now. Why are we still talking about this? I, I checked that box and I don't want, anyone to feel that they're ever done growing in Christ ever. And so we want to make that very clear here that first of all, we don't know it all. I'm gonna let you know that right now, especially not me. I, don't, I know very little, but we just want to come as people that are constantly trying to mature in Christ and just come alongside and encourage everybody. So uh, do you have any other scripture you want to bring? Uh, yes. I got two more. Uh, math. Chapter 18, 15 through 17. Uh, that was uh, the scripture that I was telling you I wanted to talk on earlier when you had said what you said. We were going to go back mm -hmm. to it. Again, that's yep. Matthew chapter 18, 15 through 17. And it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one of the two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony 
of the one or two, oh, excuse me, of the two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is what we were just talking about. It's not that we're better because nobody is good. No, no one is good. The Bible tells us that right off the rip. No one is good. It's not that we're better. We submit our lives to what Christ has to say. These words are in red. This is our Lord and Savior speaking here. You know, this is love in essence. This, this right here, going to your brother or sister and letting them know, hey, you're doing some things that are against scripture. You might as well say, hey, you are being disrespectful to your Lord and Savior. You are sinning against Christ right now. And I'm trying to make you aware of it so you don't continue to do that because I know you love the Lord. You know you love the Lord. If you love the Lord, you will keep his commandments. He's telling you don't do this thing, but you're still doing it. And I want you to be able to be aware of it if you are not. And I also have that same exact uh, priority in my life. Like Walter, my brother in the Lord, right here on this camera, I gave him full access to speak into my life, regardless of what he says irritates me, gets on my nerves, whatever. Let's go into scripture. If, if that's what it's saying there, I got to change, you know, like I got to change. But as much as I value your opinion, unless it's scriptural based and I don't want to hear it, you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate you giving it, but where is it in scripture? So like, and vice versa. That's, that's a part of this. There's a couple parts I want to touch on with this. First of all, to be able to hear is a big indication of maturity, growth, transparency. The majority of the times people don't want to take somebody aside and address something because we're worried about somebody's feelings. That's number one. <laughs> or it's a fearful thing. We're worried how they're going to react because this person may get mad. Let's just a scenario. Let's say, for instance, there's an elder and scripture is very clear. That elder needs to keep their house in order. And it's not that way. Kids are running around. Wife's very gossipy, doing the most. And that elder's been there for a long time. And there's a bit of fear going to that person because because the church is run like it is right now. If you go to them and they don't receive you well and you bring somebody else and now they're really getting kind of upset, you may be blacklisted at the church or something of that nature. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've, I know that's probably. And so people may just turn a blind eye. And so then it remains. And when it remains, it, it's a bad example for new people that come in. And they're like, oh, man, that's Elder so-and-so. His kids are running around doing the most. And his wife is just gossiping and doing the most. So, I mean, this just must be okay here. And so that just gets spread like gangrene. Those things got to be addressed. And mm -hmm. before I pass it back over to you, the end of this, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I used to view this in a way that would say. Disregard. An, yeah, disregard. Right. I view it differently now. Uh, the view of the view that I see this is treat them as somebody that doesn't necessarily believe yet or a baby Christian. Hey, this person needs some more teaching or training. Let's, let's come alongside. Hey, I'm here for you. I can help with this. And so I, I think that there's two things here, fear and feelings. Uh, man, nail on the head, nail on the head. Absolutely. Like 
Exactly right. Like when I used to read this, I was like, oh, that must mean to just write them off. Oh, no. Oh, no. That means to come around them more than ever because they are in danger. This is something that people need to understand. This is not just about being moral and, and any of that stuff like that. Like when, when <laughs> there's a difference between being moral and being a follower of Christ. When you are a follower of Christ, the things that you do are to and for and through Christ. That's how you do what you do, how you survive, all of that. Everything is for the glory of Christ. If there is no glory going to Christ, something is wrong. Do you get what I'm saying? Morality can look like Christianity, but if you spend enough time around morality, you'll see the horns come out. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that no one is good. The Bible tells us that constantly. So when people are not able to get that kind of understanding, when, when, you're, when you're coming to them and then you're bringing two or three other people with them and then you're bringing a congregation around them and they're still like, whoa, 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 these people are in danger. It is our priority to get around them and love them back to life. Not, and when I say love, I mean, give them the truth, not just say, oh, you know, I love you. It's okay that you did. Oh, no, 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 no. Love is not validating. Love is telling people the hard truth and being there through their transition back to where they, where they fallen from. And you, and then you have to, once you've done that, you have to look back at yourself. And make sure somewhere in there, you weren't self-righteous. You weren't like, oh, man, you know, really love that guy back to him. Snatched him out the fire myself, by myself. Like, oh, no, we have to be very careful. It's a, Everything we do is for the glory of God, through God. And that's it. That's a, good, that's a great point. You have to self-check when you address anybody else. You got to make, that's why. That's why the two or three brothers coming along, what's Christ say? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am as well. Boy, the church looks at that. And, the church looks at that and says, this is about attendance. In textual context, that's about church discipline. So where two or three are gathered doing discipline, there I am seated in judgment over that scenario. So it's, it's so imperative for us to just read it. Boy, what would we, we, we could just get it if we would just read it, but we always have to get it through third party or filtered into something else. And I don't want you guys to get that here either. Don't use this as like Bible. Hey, what those guys said is good. We, we got it right here. It's here for, it's here for you. It's here for us. We want you to get in there with us. It's beautiful. If you watch this and you're like, oh man, those guys got it together. Or even if you're like, those guys don't know anything. Either way, those things should draw you to the Bible and make you look, disprove what we are saying. Put us to shame if we are saying something that is not correct. We invite that. We want you to do that. We want you to look inside the Bible and see if we're saying what we are saying is true and valid. We want that. Well, be gentle. You can hurt my feelings. I'm <laughs> we just um, want to be biblical here, you know. Be gentle. <laughs> our last here is uh, James chapter four and one. I tell you what, you outdid me on the scripture here, and thank thank the Lord for that. I have one, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, you know. <laughs> uh, hey, being pulled. Thank you for it. Kept opening up. Right. Uh, I'll wait for you. 
said James chapter two, what? <laughs> James chapter four, verse one. <laughs> um, I'm there, go ahead. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? Very simple, very short and sweet. I'd even venture to say that if somebody read that, they'd skip over that. They'd just keep glossing and just keep on reading. That first verse is so powerful. What causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a question. What what causes fights and morals, fights and quarrels among you? What does it? What does it? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? The Bible tells us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. And people don't necessarily always understand that scripture. It says he will put the desires on your heart. That means the things that you should be drawn to, the things that you want to be drawn to, he's going to put that in there. That is going to be for his glory. A lot of people say, oh, if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me my husband. He's going to give me my wife. He's going to give me this new car. You know, these are the desires in my heart. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. When you read here, the desire, the heart is the most evil thing that we possess. It's in scripture. It's the most evil thing that we possess. So these desires, the things that we have going on, our ambition, like we said in the uh, first verse, our ambition for money, uh, our ambition to be influential in church and be able to influence people, be of somebody of some type of renown, uh, our ability to uh, influence people to not like somebody else through malicious talk or evil suspicions or causing friction in the church between brothers and sisters, divisions, different things like that. The, the ability to call things that are evil good and things that are good evil to be able to manipulate people's mindsets about things, literally turning people against the sheep and putting them in favor of the goats. It's those kind of things, the handling of disputes amongst the body, being able to influence that and shape that into the desires that you would like, what you would like to see done, your will being done, not God's will being done. This is a huge indication of things that are going awry in the church. We see it constantly. Like you said, the wolves are running the church now, not the shepherds. And the quote that he just recently made about the heart being uh, the most deceitful thing is a quote from Jeremiah 17, nine. So I, I want to, I want to put that out there. So you have reference to what we're referencing. Um, I wished you'd have read the rest because it lays out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read the rest of it as it lays out what the desire is because it says, from the, they come from the desires that battle within you. Well, what desires? Let's talk about it. The desires you desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So what desires do you have that cause fights and quarrels? It would seem from the scriptures is covetedness. That would be the main thing because instead of going to the provider of all things, you're looking to somebody else to shed some light, 
hey, spread the cheese. I see you got all this. Why can't we have a little love here? And they get back at you like, hey, you didn't earn this. This is me. And there, there it comes now. Hey, look, we're supposed to be the body here. We're supposed to be together. And so you have people that are well off, dingy. You have people that are lazy, that don't want to work, but expect you to just care for them. And then the actual poor and needy get left out. They don't actually get cared for because of all this smashing together. So a little different frictions and stuff like and, that. And frictions cause heat and start fires, little fires everywhere. And, it, and that's crazy. And that's going to lead us into my point, the scripture that I brought, which is Acts 2, starting at verse 42 through 47. Did you have another one? No, that's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, the end of James, it said, or the end of that scripture we were reading last said, you do not have because you do not ask God. And I'm going to lead into the scripture that I brought. And I'm going to read it here, <clears throat> starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I have a couple things I want to talk about, but because of how Tyreek ended, I'm going to catapult into one of the four pillars of the church here. See, we have the layout of what the church was doing when it was being run by the apostles. So it's teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And the last thing in James that he talked about was you don't ask God. There is such a negligent activity on prayer. All we do is use it at this point as a time keep. Um, oh, oh, let's say a quick prayer. Let's do a quick prayer. I, I don't want. It just sucks, really. It does. To not have. Um, prayer be a priority instead it's a small prayer meeting that a congregation of 300 you only have six um, or you only have 10 it's like it's like a finite percentage of people who actually want to be in prayer um, another thing to talk about in here is teaching there are a myriad of people who want to preach there are few people who want to teach because teaching requires you to put in a lot of work. And not every one of you should become teachers. Every one of us should be preaching, proclaiming. We should be doing that. What would you have to say if I asked you, what's the condition of prayer would that you've seen in churches? And, I, and I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and, and lay myself flat. My, my prayer life isn't where I want it to be. You know, that's something that I'm trying to focus on myself so to talk about others prayer life would would be kind of hypocritical but like i mean like we're here and we're on this video you know we we're we are reading the bible and we're proclaiming the different things like that but my prayer life where i would want it to be it's that's still a very much a work in pro in, in progress you know um 
Um, you, you pray, like most people, they pray when they probably wake up or when they go to sleep, something like that. And then before they eat or whatever. And then that's kind of like it, maybe right before you go out to go work or something like that, you, you pray for travel and mercy or something like that. But like, it, it's always an inward prayer. We're not, we're not praying for the brothers and sisters. We're not praying for the lost. We're not praying for opportunities to be able to speak to someone in our day-to-day life to, to be like, Lord, give me an opportunity to proclaim your name today. Let, let there be, you know, some, somewhere where I could be used for you. So like, like you said, in church, um, in church, you, you're sitting in the, uh, they're sitting in there and they're asking for people to come do take take uh, segments of time to come pray. We're, we're going to be praying from this hour to this hour and we need someone to come in and pray from this hour to this hour. People are volunteer for just about anything else than prayer. Like that's something that they don't want to do. They're afraid to pray. They don't want to pray out loud. They don't want anybody else to hear what they have to say. They're nervous. They're scared. What, whatever, whatever it would be. Prayer is one of the most powerful things you can do, but it's also one of the most vulnerable things that you can do. It puts you in a place that a lot of people, including men, don't want to be. Don't want to be vulnerable. Don't want to be on their knees. Don't want to be in that weakened position. But the Bible tells us that in our weakness, God is strong. So mm. like, it's, it's just something that prayer is a must. The Bible, and, and like you said, I'm going to have to look this up real quick, but the Bible tells us that um, if, my, uh, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven. You know what I mean? Like, I have to find that scripture because I want everyone to have it, but like, and, and, and I will heal your lands. That's what the rest of it says. You know, like, it's important to be praying. I believe it's in Chronicles, but I could be wrong there. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. Um, so this is, this scripture essentially just lays out what church should be about and teaching fellowship. That's another thing. This is a twofold thing. Fellowship, right? We come in, greet people for about five minutes and we sit down. Everybody's quiet. We hear a message. Somebody is expounding or extolling upon scripture, which is good. That's a good thing. And then we all get up and we all leave. Where was the fellowship in any of that? And don't tell me it's the five or 10 minutes or the get up right after the worship is done and we all shake hands and greet. Fellowship. I mean, really, let's get into some topics. Let's talk about how you've been. You've been okay. You're dealing with something. Hey, bring some people around. Let's pray real quick over this person. Let's lay hands. You can't, there's no time for that in the corporate church today. You can't get any of that there. The other thing, the breaking of bread. That sounds like a meal to me. Now, I'm going to touch on communion here as well, how we do it. I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church, and they only did it once a month. Nowhere have I found in Scripture where it would ever allocate it to be only so, so very few like that. Actually, it says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So with that kind of verbiage, you would think you would want to do it more, not less, to proclaim as a body to do it. Um, I've always thought that was strange that the church is doing is doing that. And and then we, we, we touched on prayer. Uh, any thoughts on some of that stuff? No, I absolutely agree with you. Like it, there should be a more frequent of 
everything that you said, prayer, being in the word, being in service, um, uh, communion. It's just, it's just something that we should put a priority to, uh, uh, an importance level, a high importance level to that. That I just don't, there's, there's a lot of casual Christians now. There's not a lot of people that are showing or being an example of what, hey, this is what we should be doing. And then, you know, another thing is a lot of people, and I can speak on that because this was me. A lot of people get down on themselves because they don't exactly, they, they feel some type of way that they have to set an alarm to remember to pray, or they have to, uh, you know, whatever they have to do to remind themselves, to make themselves make purposeful time for the Lord. People feel like, oh man, I feel like it's kind of fake or I feel like it's anything like that. No, you have to start implementing the practices to be able to do it in game, if that makes any sense. Like when it's time, it's going to be second nature to you. And when it, it starts out as making it a clear priority and setting boundaries and doing things like that. And then as time goes on, now you don't need the alarms. Like you're, you feel some type of way when you haven't prayed, when you haven't read the Bible, when you haven't gave glory to consistency. Exactly right. You have to keep doing these things. And the more you do them, the more they become a part of your day, just as it just, just as natural as breathing or moving or any of that stuff. Like, we have to start somewhere. Exactly. And you have to put your mind to do it. It can't be something you're doing begrudgingly because you'll never continue. It'll be like once or twice, you're like, oh, no, I'm supposed to do this. But no, no, no. God loves a joyful heart. So do it. Enjoy getting your joy from said thing in the Lord. Another Quickly, speak on that, too. Another thing is that, the, and like I said, being vulnerable. Another thing was I didn't like praying. I didn't like reading the word. I didn't want to sit down and do that kind of stuff. So people think like, oh man, I'm doing this stuff begrudgingly. I don't want to do it and stuff like that. It's like, you need the knowledge to understand that this is necessary to your being. Like when you are living in this life and you do not have Christ, you do not, Christ is not in any of your thoughts. You're just going about your day to day and different things like that. The Lord is faithful and just, and he is the one that is sustaining you. But but through that ignorance of not knowing, and ignorance isn't a bad word, it's just not knowing. That's all that is. Through the through your not knowing, is your your thinking that you're being sustained of something that you're doing, like how you're, well, I eat healthy, I work out, I do this and that. That's not why you're still alive. That's not why you're still healthy. That's not why any of those things, like that, of course, those are good practices and you should do them, but like, that's not why you woke up the next day. It's nothing, it's nothing of you. So when you start to get that understanding from reading the word and you understand that Jesus Christ is the only thing that is sustaining you, that is waking you up the next day, that is keeping you through the night. Now you have that tackling fuel to be able to say, I need to get in this word because I owe this individual. I owe my God. I owe him. This isn't every single day is a blessing and a gift. And I owe. And if you look at it like I owe things change as opposed to let me make time in my day for the Lord. And a lot of people think it the other way around. He owes me. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's something that, that has, and it shouldn't, 
I, I like your terminology. I want to say this thing to it. It's a debt you can never repay, but you should give everything. Everything you should, you should give. <laughs> you ain't gonna it, it, be, but you should try. Yeah, you got to give everything. One, one more thing I wanted to touch on. Right at the end, it said the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Who added to their number? The Lord added to their number. Church growth is a banner that we have now. If your church ain't growing by leaps and bounds, you're doing something wrong. My thought would be if your church ain't growing by leaps and bounds, you're doing something wrong and you're being hindered from growing it correctly. Because what we like to do it is we like to grow it carnally. We don't want to do the four things that were said. And at the end, it says daily, those who were being saved. So who's being added to the church? Those who are being saved. Interesting. I, we're just reading here. We're just reading. And mm -hmm. I know there's going to be people that are like, oh, you're saying, you know, I can't bring friends to church. Here's what I'm saying. When the Lord adds to the number of the church, it's those that are being saved. It's productive. It, it, it's yes. It's a. It's because their focus is on Him and His kingdom. And so, when there's more work to be done, and the numbers don't show that going to be able, hey, check it out. All these people are now here. Well, where they come from? The Lord added them to us. It wasn't nothing we did. See, here again, we've got the self-righteous thing. Man, where'd you guys get all? Well, we did this. We got these programs. We got the good coffee. Got to have the good coffee. Got these plush seats, big golf holders. We do it up in here. So you're the reason that all these people are here? Absolutely. Hmm. Ouch. And Pride so that would <laughs> say it again. Pride cometh before the fall. And what you bring them with. You have to keep them with. If they came for Christ, they will stay for Christ. If they came for the coffee, they'll stay for the coffee. Like, come on now. And so the essence of wanting to be in fellowship and in prayer, it's to be in God's will. This is not a once a week thing for me and Tyree. This is a once a day, multiple times a day, not only in conversation, Bible readings and prayers. And I'm not trying to elevate us here. I'm trying to spur you on to your own regiment of prayer, scripture reading and conversation seasoned in salt. I hope that you have gotten that essence from us, this podcast. Um, do you have anything you'd like to add about the growth aspect? Uh, no, I feel like you know that on the head like that. <laughs> You said I'm in complete agreement with uh, you. We just need to not, we need to not do this with, with our carnal selves. Like we need to not be looking at the actual number of people per se, but look at the quality of the believer that you have here. Cause like I said, you have people that are on fire for the Lord. Then you have people that know, but they're, they're just okay with being there. Then you have the people that, say I'm a Christian just because they don't they don't know what else to label themselves and they just got straight up heathen that's just there because they're just like well this girl that I'm in like really indigging is here so I guess I'll just come and show my face you know you you have all these different kinds of things in the church and it's so it's so very important that we are looking 
that we are watching as well as praying. And, and we're doing it through the spirit and we're not doing it through carnal eyes. So like, I absolutely 100% agree with you. There shouldn't be more of the world in the church. There should be more of the church in the world. And right. when people say, oh, um, America needs God. America needs God. America doesn't need God. America needs the church. The church needs God. If the church got God, America would be all right with church. Um, and and, and I, I'll, I'll start to close on that. Uh, ultimately, this will be our second podcast, and this will be more of a indication of what they will look like going forward. Um, I hope you guys will keep joining us. Sorry, do you have any closing comments for the viewers? Oh, no. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure to be before you as always. Uh, I love I love this. I love being here with you. I love the fellowship and I love getting into the word, you know, and I and I pray that you continue to show up. You continue to listen. You continue to have your word, which you fact check us, please, you know, get in there for yourself. Spend specific time with the Lord, you know, read and pray and worship, you know, definitely worship the Lord. Give him the praise that is so due his holy name. And I just, once again, I'm just blown away and so thankful that I have this opportunity to be amongst you all, be amongst believers, people that want to know the truth. So with that being said. <laughs> hey, again, guys, we're thankful that you tuned in and we hope to see you for the next episode. God bless. God bless.